0: In the Money Media Network is excited to partner with Betmakers in bringing you the Betmakers Bonanza. This is a $1 million bonus for any horse that can win this weekend's Haskell Invitational at Monmouth Park, the Kentucky Derby at Churchill Downs and the Breeders' Cup Classic at Keeneland Racecourse. Betmakers is one of the world's leading horse racing distribution companies. And what they do, they collect data from racetracks and provide international bookmakers with the tools they need to bet on racing, with fixed odds betting being a major focus. Uh, Betmakers are in a partnership with Monmouth Park, trying to bring fixed odds betting to New Jersey. Seems like it's imminent, and hopefully there'll be some news on that in the coming days. Uh, Betmakers is committed to being a partner in U.S. racing industry, not only through the returns that will come from the fixed odds wagering, but also through innovations with our partners, starting with the Betmakers Bonanza. What's going on? Welcome to the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In the Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. This is episode 23 of the Matt Burner show for Monday July the 13th 2020 however you listen to this thing thank you for doing so a number of ways to find this podcast you can find it on Apple Podcasts, you can find it on your Android device you can find it over on the website in themoneypodcast.com you can also find this on YouTube all you need to do go over to YouTube search bar Matt Bernie show this episode along with all the other ones will pop up and make sure if you're over there you subscribe to the In the money channel Make sure the bell icon's lit up so you get a notification anytime anything new is uploaded to the In the Money channel and please rate review subscribe whether it's the podcast whether it is over on YouTube thumbs up thumbs down whether you agree disagree whatever it may be and obviously as always the more the merrier in the comment section beneath the video player specifically for the Friday feature it's a little bit of a tip off of what is to come on this episode the idea here is I thought it was a, a overall pretty solid response to the Friday feature the new sort of plan from last week Uh, Todd Dree came through thought everything went well there people were very very courteous and very complimentary to Todd and again it's not the easiest thing to do especially if you're not accustomed to doing that sort of thing so uh, tip of the cap to Todd no one selected the winner in last Friday's feature from Belmont Park and I get it the weather was a bit of a disaster and perhaps I didn't do a great job of explaining what happens if no one picks the winner um, I initially had said I would just take some random name. Then I said, well, you know what? There were a number of folks that picked the runner-up. Let me try to grab the runner-up. Um, Peter Appleby was one of the folks who happened to pick the winner, or excuse me, the runner-up. And based on my little random number generator over on the, uh, the old Google machine, as you'll hear later from uh, my guest this week, uh, uh, Peter's name came up. Unfortunately, I wasn't, I wasn't, un- I wasn't- no, no, no. Good English. I was unable to contact Peter. In time, So initially it looked like it was going to just be me going solo for this uh, Friday feature, getting you ready for the first Friday of the Saratoga meeting, looking at the Shine Again stakes. That's race number nine coming up this Friday. But then I remembered my buddy Al Studer from the Peach and Stew podcast. He had reached out uh, probably the week that I started this whole idea. And he said, if you ever run into a pinch and you need someone to come on, just let me know, shoot me a message. I'm happy to help. Well, this morning, on Monday morning, I said, you know what? Let me just, let me find out if he's available. Shoot him a note. He says, more than willing to help. So, Al Studer, Stu, from the Peach and Stu podcast, is the guest on this week's Friday feature, looking at the ninth at Saratoga, coming up this Friday afternoon. That is the shine again. Phillies and Bears, four-year-olds, and up seven-eighths of a mile on the main track. Uh, Peter, if you're listening or watching, I'm sure we'll connect again at some point. And let's, let's plan on this being the the play going forward if no one selects the winner if you ended up finishing second at least take a look because there's a scenario where you are involved in the following monday show for the friday feature so uh, peter i apologize we weren't able to actually connect and make this happen but i am happy to say that Stu was able to bail me out of a bit of a pinch so that's the plan if you're going to be looking at that race the friday feature you want to be involved next monday take a look at uh, yeah if you want to be involved next monday if you take a look at saratoga's ninth for this coming friday that being the shine again select your winner it has to be beneath the video player on youtube i won't take it any other way uh some people sent it over on twitter some people sent it over uh to the in the money uh, email address if you want to be involved beneath the video player on youtube All you got to do is pick one horse. Your horse wins. I'll contact you if you are the only winner. If there are a few winners, we'll randomly do it, and uh, you'll come on here and, and, you know, kind of riff with me for a little bit. So without further ado, we'll dive into that. Following that, I just have a bunch of opinions on all the crazy stakes races we've seen over the past week, so I will just kind of freewheel it on that, and I'll be curious to hear what all of you have to say about my opinions on those races and what you think about the races that I touch on, and perhaps any of the other horses or races that I may have missed over this action-packed week that we've just gone by so let's dive into the Friday feature for this coming week it is race nine up at the spa opening Friday at Saratoga I know opening day is technically Thursday but the first Friday of the Saratoga meeting race number nine it's the shine again on the main track and this week's guest is Al Studer from the Peace and Stew podcast all right we we had a little bit of an interesting thing here this week and, and it's not anyone's fault but we needed a pinch hitter last second and I've been fortunate enough to be a guest on this individuals or the the co-host anyway of a podcast, the Al Studer. Uh, you may know him as Stu from the Peach and Stu podcast. I've been fortunate enough to be on there a couple times and he had reached out to me probably two weeks ago before when this whole kind of idea started, you know, kind of fermenting or getting ready to go and you said if you ever are in a pinch and you need somebody to hop on, let me know. So Monday morning I shoot you a DM and I say, Hey look any chance you can record with me this afternoon? And talk about the ninth race at Saratoga on Friday. We'll talk about the shine again a little bit. And you said absolutely. So, Stu, thank you so much for uh, pinch hitting here and a little bit of a little bit of a pickle. And again, I'll take the blame for for not maybe being the clearest as far as the the terms are concerned. But thanks for hopping on. How is everything?
1: Everything's good, man. You got me out of work early, so thank you for that. Uh, no, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on this show and uh, like like the listeners this is one of my go-to podcasts so i'm i'm just honored to be on here because i can tell you i was i i can't tell you how many times i've been watching this on youtube or or downloading on itunes whichever comes first and you know so it's it's really an honor and a privilege to be on here man
0: well i appreciate the kind words for folks that are unfamiliar or haven't necessarily done a deep dive into your podcast just yet the peace and stew pod a couple things where can everyone find it and give us a little bit of a synopsis
1: yeah i appreciate that man uh wherever you're getting your podcasts at we're on there uh p-i-e-s-c-h uh stew cast same with the twitter handle uh just an underscore in between the peach and the stew um we we do a, a lot of horse racing stuff uh we've had you on there the whole in the money crew mike maloney andy serling as a friend of ours he comes on david aragona craig mulkowski list goes on and on so uh if you dig what i'm saying and you make some money off me this week uh hopefully you give us a listen
0: and this is good timing for for the second sort of edition here of the friday feature because we are into opening week at saratoga opening day is going to be on thursday we're going to talk about the feature on friday afternoon so if you're Listening or watching, but specifically watching, because if you want to get involved and possibly be in Stu's position next Monday, you need to leave the comment, leave your selection beneath the video player on YouTube. Race number nine on Friday, up at the Spa, it's the restricted stakes race, the Shine Again, seven-eighths of a mile for Phillies and Mares, three-year-olds and up, excuse me, four-year-olds and up. First, before we dive into the race, just give give me, I mean, you and I have had a little bit of a rapport over the past little while here, but give, give myself a little bit of a a deeper dive as well as the viewers and listeners. What is your sort of overall handicapping process? Are you, do you use the sort of standards? Do you look at things and say speed class, you know, X, Y, and Z, or are you a pace player? What, what is your sort of, what is your MO? How do you go about breaking down races?
1: Well, you know, for me, it's, it's mainly, uh, the formulator, Mm-hmm. DRF Formulator, um, and Timeform U.S. Now those two, I know a lot of people use those two in conjunction. I think they play off each other really well. Uh, I mainly use those. I will incorporate uh, workout reports here and there. I will incorporate uh, you know Benny South Street's notes, which I think he's doing a fantastic job with Triphno Pros. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll lean on those. Uh, I try not to add too much outside of that. I've played with the rags and stuff, but it, you know, it's just a little bit harder for me. Uh, and for me, it, it's really pace makes the race. I know you were talking to Tom and that was a great show last week. I, I advise everybody to listen to it. It was really good how you guys kind of worked through that, that tough one. Um, but you know, for me, it's pace, And I think within pace, it kind of opens you up to, you know, those class moves or speed. I'm not primarily class or speed oriented. It's just pace, how how the flow is going to go between each race.
0: I think, you know, and and I think you bring up kind of an interesting point and an aside. The idea of, you know, pace, and Jonathan has brought this up in the past, Jonathan Kinch, the idea that, you know, pace making the race is, You know it's an old adage in racing but it's true i mean at the end of the day if you're all by yourself on the front end you have a a giant advantage on anyone trying to make up ground but a lot of it does kind of become a class situation where there's a difference between showing pace or dueling on the front end against, let's say, 10,000 open claimers and putting away your competition, and then jumping up to the $20,000 open claiming level, and you may not be able to get away with that sort of thing. So I feel like they kind of go hand in hand. I agree with you. To me, the most important piece is, at the end of the day, pace who's going to be positioned where, what kind of tactical advantage is there going to be, whether it is loose on the lead or there's going to be a ton of speed signed on and somebody has shown that they could rally from the clouds and take advantage. But inherently, I, I feel like pace does get tied into class a little bit in those sort of scenarios
1: it's one of those tricky things pace and trips like when when I was first starting out because I'm by no means a professional player by any stretch and I think there's a ton of weekend warriors or those guys that are skirting that gray line um that that listen and by no means when I was starting out could I differentiate pace from trip I think they're they're two ideas but they're first cousins or, you know, their stepbrothers. For sure. Uh, shout out Will Ferrell. So like, <laughs> like it, it's one of those things where when you talk about pace, it's just such a large topic and class goes into it. Race design goes into it. Jockeys, trainer intent. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And the same thing with trips. Uh, you can go all day. You could make the case that trips are based on the pace. And pace are, is mis- <laughs> uh, predicated on the trip, so I yep. uh, I don't know what the right answer is. I just know that uh, I probably should win a lot more money uh, than I than I actually do, just based on my pace handicapping.
0: My my buddy Mike Baychok, the Million Dollar Man, has said it. It's or the way that he had explained it to me way back when was it's it's basically a gumbo. You got to take all of it together and you just throw it into a pot and you stir it around and something comes out, and you hope you're right more often than you're wrong, or you hope when you are right, it's going to make up for the losses and then some. Let's see what we have here for this race. Again, the featured event. uh, Well, I shouldn't say I'm calling it the featured event. There's another stakes race on the card on Friday as well up at Saratoga, but it's it's Saratoga. There's going to be stakes races every day of the week for the most part. Race number nine, The Shine again, seven-eighths of a mile on the main track. From a pace standpoint, Stu, where are you looking? Who do you think is going to be the one cutting out the fractions early? Do you think they're going to be by themselves, or are they are going to have a little bit of company?
1: Well, I think I think before you even ask that, I mean, this race goes through Indian pride, right? I mean, it, whoever is looking at betting this race, it's purely Indian pride. you got to decide whether you're going to single or you're going to toss her. Um I look at Indian pride, that last race at Belmont, the allowance against Mrs. Danvers was visually impressive. And I know you talk a lot about being visually impressive and seeing seeing a horse win comfortably, easily. For me, uh, I think I have to toss her. Now, I think this pace is going to heat up. I think Indian pride hasn't, I know the last race would say differently, but I'm not convinced yet that she's learned how to rate. Okay, uh, I think when you look at the pace projections, it's not color-coded red indicating a fast pace. It, it, but there's a lot of horses that run in that hunt, low hundreds, mid, mid 110s uh, early on. I think the last race, when you look at Indian pride, you have to really look at who she beat. And, and this is, you know, I know it's me talking, but I got to ask you based off what Miss Danvers came back. Now, Miss Danvers was, you know, easily the second choice in that race. I think she went off at even money based on what she did in the last race, two to five, one to nine, whatever, whatever she was. Yeah. Um, not impressive, even with a lunge start, even even missing the break and being six wide. You, she's supposed to win that race. So who is Indian pride beating?
0: Well, I mean, that look, that's always going to be the piece that I come back to when I say it's one thing when you do something visually fantastic. But then it you can look at it at face value. It looks great but then time is going to be your best friend or your worst enemy where it's either going to be flattering to see you you went out there and you strutted your stuff against horses that came back and they ran enlisted enlisted stakes races or graded stakes races or whatever the case may be or you can look back on it and say you beat a bunch of tomato cans and you know against better horses how is that going to translate now i i agree with you the mrs danvers piece is definitely a concern the fact that she came back and I'm going to say kind of bombed a two to five. You're supposed to run better than that. Now, having said that, I wasn't locked into the track or I haven't been locked into the races over the past week or so. I've been all over the place here, there, and and everywhere. But having said that, I don't know that I want to make the sort of, I don't, the, the, the apples to apples comparison and say because Mrs. Danvers ran the way that she did Indian pride knowing that Chad's horses typically are going to take a step forward second off the bench my bigger concern for Indian pride would be the the first piece that you brought up more along the lines of I, I don't know I know she sat a half length off and went off and won for fun in that most recent start off the bench I don't know for certain that she can do that against better horses and if her best run is to go out there and just winging it and dinging it on the front end to your point, there are other fillies and mares in this race that have similar running styles. So that would be the bigger piece for me at a short, short number, knowing it's Chad, knowing it's Saratoga. People are going to line up and bet on him and her. That that would be enough for me to sit there and say, you know what, there's got to be somebody else I can take a
1: shot with. No, and that's fair. I mean, it, it, if you look at her pace figures, it, you know, you're seeing that second off the layoff, like you said, that three to four bump, and we saw a little bit of it. Uh it, if she runs her last race and gets that pace figure, um, yeah, she's gonna be real difficult. However, I really, like you said, I, she's gonna be four to five even money. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet against. I found a few horses that I, I kind of went to. Risky mandate, mm-hmm. uh, the two horse for Tommy Amos and uh, David Cohen in the saddle. I really. I look at this horse as the wise guy horse. This is a horse that can has shown that it can be close, that it is tactical, that it can rate. My question is, you know, these are connections that very rarely go to Saratoga. Um, Last year went to Saratoga, did, did win a race, but, what is this horse? What, I, I'm still looking for what this horse is, especially off that Churchill race where I did bet risky mandate. I singled um, and, you know, I was crying in a corner afterwards. <laughs> so uh, I look, Tom Amos is much better second off. And, and you can look at the numbers and formulator on time form, whatever you want to use. He's much better second off the layoff. Three to four, again, another jump. I think risky mandate could sit behind indian pride because somebody's got to go somebody's got to go to the front and whoever's going to the front i don't think they're winning um and i don't think indian pride can rate and then i look out uh to the 10 hole please flatter me you know it's interesting whenever you see asmussen with two in a in a race i always lean towards santana that's first call uh this horse won or got close to winning Ish. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you get like a Best Buy gift card coming in second, too, (laughs) because because when you when you're behind Guarana, who proved this past weekend in Keeneland that she is for real um, and she's made that jump uh, fighting back against me and mischief, which she she should have lost. Most horses lose that race. The special ones dig in and win. You lose by five and a quarter to Guarana. I mean, it it is what it is. If Guarana was in this race, you'd be one to ten. Correct. Um, So I I give this horse a shot because if you look at this horse's past PPs, certainly has the ability to be close and close. I don't think it's a race that I I see a closer that is so um, astounding that I want to give them a look and and it leads me to my top choice in here which is blamed and you're looking at a horse that is and i don't subscribe to you know the form cycle theory as much i think some of that gets a little overblown this horse is in that model go look at any whether it's the sheets whether it's uh, the DRFPPs, whether it's time form, in and out, in and out, in and out, and there's no reason for it. I mean, the horse works well. The you know, it's not like he's got uh, nobody in the saddle or in the irons. And it's Bill Mod. He's a Hall of Famer. You know, he's he's a friend. Uh, he knows what he's doing. I think this horse really wants one turn. I think this seven furlong is going to hit him right between the eyes. We're coming out of a, a poor race in a decision where Johnny V sent to the lead, but there was just a little bit too much pace in there. And I know it's not um, rated as a fast pace, but he caught a little bit of uh, or she caught a little bit of a, a faster pace there. They were going. Think, yeah. yeah, they were going. I think she, she just folded a little bit and and they were going a little bit too long. I think you're getting exactly what you want out of this horse. Plus, if you look back at Bill Mott, first first weekend, the that first week at mm-hmm. Saratoga, he's firing. Mm-hmm. He trains for Saratoga. And he also trains for Churchill. And what he do the first week, week and a half at Churchill. He he was a monster. He was winning everything left and right. He trains for these big meets. I I think blamed is very live here, and I would also slightly give him uh, or her the again him or her. You know, I don't. (laughs) I'm probably I'm probably going to get canceled after this. Uh, I I give her the edge over risky mandate just for that sheer fact that I think the trainer intent here, and then also the class. Mm -hmm. This is a downgrading class. Uh, I, I think all that combined blamed uh over risky mandate please flatter me is very interesting um what what are you thinking what do you am i am I hitting the mark do I get a prize
0: well this is what I was gonna say let's unpack this a little bit because these are three interesting sure. candidates blamed look you you don't need to sell me I'm blamed i I'm probably I've, I've probably gone to the well one too many times with her in spots that are a little bit too ambitious for her because Same here. it looks t- to me, I picked her in the Phipps and I, I actually, I liked the ride that Johnny gave her. Just go try to wire the field. Didn't work out Went a little bit too quick, uh, took the starch out of Ollie's candy, just enough for her to get beat. I look back at the field. I don't know overall the quality of the race when you got three horses in a blanket, but the point is probably a little bit too long and against better horses. Now she's facing much, much less as far as talent is concerned And I think to the way that you've drawn the race up, I can see a scenario where Arad is able to sit just off or press Chad's filly in here, Indian Pride. And if for whatever reason, let's say Indian Pride doesn't live up to expectations at the short odds that she's going to, Blamed could very easily be the first one to take the shot at her, try to take over. Maybe she pokes a nose in front with a quarter mile to go. And now you just got to hope that you can hold off the closer. So I have no beef with the logic or the selection in a spot like this i'll be curious what kind of odds we get on her but i have no no qualms no no issues with her i thought the the case that you laid out for a horse like risky mandate to me is one of the more intriguing ones and and simply because she's not i don't think she is necessarily the horse that has to come from as far out as she did in that return effort you see the short comment she got out of the gate a little bit on the tardy side and the fact that Unique Factor came back and I believe earned an 85 in her next start. That was at Keeneland over this past week. So I don't I don't want to look at her and say that I think she's necessarily and I say an 85 85 buyer. Uh, you can yep. see the 105 time form U.S. rating on Stu's screen. I I, I look at her and, and think if she breaks a little bit more on the sharp side, she's got a, a bullet work in her back pocket leading into this race and 59 and a piece going five out five, five eighths down at Churchill on July 9th if if she can be within let's say two lengths similar to the position she was in in the prior as two starts back similar to the position she was in that n1x at saratoga where she won going this distance at seven eighths of a mile i think she's one that could potentially be in just behind those top two that we spoke about and if that's the kind of trip she can work out you see the pace projectors probably got her a little bit farther back than that but but not too far off of it She could be the one, like you say, perhaps becomes the value kind of wise guy play in here because people are going to look at it and say she could trip out. She's run well at at Saratoga in the past. Tom Amos knows what he's doing. He knows where to place him. And this is a nice kind of sneaky spot where you're dealing with a restricted stakes race. You're not going to get the monsters that show up in here. You're going to get the horses that are either trying to take that next step up the class ladder or you're getting horses off of incredible layoffs, a horse who we'll talk about in a moment because I don't know what, I don't know what I'm going to do with her. I want to know what your thoughts are. And I just think from a tactical standpoint, risky mandate, this could be a nice, I don't want to say comfortable trip, but a trip that could be very advantageous in a spot like this. The last one to touch on before I bring up two other horses that I'm curious your opinion, please flatter me. You know, the thing that concerns me with please flatter me is, and perhaps this is me being a little bit unkind. You brought up the Gorana point. Point well taken. You know, look, if any of these girls in here were within five lengths of Guarana, I'd say there was a hell of an effort. I I don't know if I think she's necessarily as good as the other top-level runners in here. I don't know if she's as talented as an Indian pride. Now, perhaps tactics will get the Indian pride. I don't know that she's as talented as blamed. I don't know that she's as talented as some of the other girls who are kind of unknowns in here. It's not that I'm against Please Flatter Me. I mean, look, if she went off at 8-to-1... I would say sure, take a shot. I mean, she's not far off from numbers. She faced a, a monster in her most recent start. I'm just me personally, I'm not entirely sold that she's necessarily of this level. Um, but again, she's another horse that if you're looking at it from a tactical standpoint, she has a little bit of a little bit of versatility. My concern is her wins or the races that she's run really well in, she's been pretty darn close to the front throughout. And I don't know. I don't know that a running style like that would be conducive to victory here at this point, because I don't know that from a talent standpoint, she's as good as the other speeds. The quality isn't quite there. Just my opinion could be entirely wrong. The two horses I wanted to bring up that I was curious what you plan on doing with them. One of them is Positive Spirit, and the other one is Joy at Pfora. Let's start off with Positive Spirit, because this was a horse who, she did some really nice things as a two-year-old. She came back. Nearly won the Gazelle as a three-year-old. She comes into the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, she is part of the uh, scrum coming out of the gate. She clips heels. She falls. Dumps Manny Franco. We haven't seen her since. She was out for Rudy Brissett's barn before. Now she goes out for Mike Stidham's barn. The Stidham barn, obviously, a little bit un, a little. I'll say unlucky because it's not like the horses weren't running at all, but a little unlucky at the Belmont meet downstate. What do you do with a horse like this? Because for my money, I look at it and say... A, I have no idea how good she actually is. She could be a monster or she could be just another horse. But B, I, there's a part of me that can't help but think this is nothing more than a means to an end to get a race under her belt for something longer, given the way that her prior connections campaigned her. What are your thoughts on Positive Spirit?
1: You know, I think you bring up a great point. And, I, you know, real quick, back to Please Flatter Me. Yeah. I, think, I think Please Flatter Me, you make a really great point on Please Flatter Me in that she's she's essentially going to sit a similar trip in theory to risky mandate or blamed, but she's going to be just that much, a little bit more wider. Yeah. And I I think if the track comes up sloppy, which called uh, our good friend Marshall Sterling resident uh, Jim Cantori for ITM (laughs) um, he said, you know, morning rain by second or third race track should be, dried out and he doesn't expect any storms so shout out to marshall so i i would upgrade her slightly if you get one of those crazy sporadic saratoga storms sure uh back to positive spirits so yeah you mentioned you know stidham was ice cold he wasn't getting the winner's circle at the belmont meet i think in kentucky over the past week uh some of that changed and he was able to get a victory or two off the top of my head, I'm I'm having trouble forgetting uh the names, but I know he did win a couple. Tyler G is hot. Yep. And I'm not just talking in the looks department. Uh he's he's like he, he's really coming into his own as a jock. This horse, 440 days, and I agree with you, this is this is a paid workout hopefully you can get a get a little check and this is a workout i love going to the um work tab this horse is relatively fit i mean been working pretty pretty continuously since february bullets are sprinkled in it's at uh, fair hill so i you know i don't know exactly what that means i mean that's cool you had the fastest workout time and you were the only one running but yeah by yourself that's awesome bullet you know uh i think this is a workout again this horse probably does want to go further so i'm tossing the 440 days scares me if this was a lower level race i'd i'd give a little bit more credence to the horse uh this is uh, deep waters and and right.
0: it's, it's just one of those things too, where even even if this ends up being what she wants to do, I I don't know what I don't know what she is. I don't know if she's uh, if she could be, you know, she she could be a sneaky player in some of these races going forward if she comes back and she ends up, you know, improving on what we saw when we last saw her actually racing, or she could just be kind of a flash in the pan, a horse who you know, despite the fact that she really hasn't done anything wrong with the exception of the run down at the fairgrounds, which I'll just draw a line through. She hasn't ever run particularly quick. You know, the Demoiselle was fine enough. She's at a fast pace. Yeah, but, but two at, years old, right? Two I mean, years old at a mile and an eighth against horses who have not really turned into anything. I don't know. I don't know what she is. She's the kind of horse that I will sit back. I will watch. If she wins by five, I'll say, "Oof, this is interesting." We got. A, we got somebody who could be a bit of a player in this sort of division, whether it's going shorter or longer down the road and i also don't know that i want to write her off if she comes back and runs, you know, an even fifth throughout because this to it just feels like she's probably going to need one before we see what her best is.
1: She she is a horse that could either be a complete non-factor or blow up the race. Correct. Because really when you when you start looking at all these horses we're giving you ideas on why we think Indian Pride doesn't win. One of those ideas is predicated on positive spirit being forwardly placed. Mm-hmm. And and when you look at her, she's one of those horses in this race that if she's forward and she's only done uh, her work being forward realistically, mm-hmm. uh, it, then it adds more pace pressure and it allows blame to sit back and it, it allows risky mandate to kind of sit, sit back and I don't want to say cheap speed because they're not; they're good horses. It's just, you know, they they have a little bit more left in the tank. Joyous, uh, how you say this? I went, the, I went with
0: Epifora. I don't know if that's necessarily correct or not, but to me, she's she's kind of an X factor in here because
1: she absolutely is.
0: Jose's aboard, which is something you always need to pay attention to. Uh, she is a group one winner on dirt as a juvenile down in Argentina. Then they tried her on turf. She ran fine enough in those races, far from embarrassed. But the return effort here in the States, sure, washed off the turf. From a numbers standpoint, pretty darn good race, considering that was her first start since December of last year. You would assume she's going to take a step forward, second off the bench. For Nacho Correas, what are you doing with this filly? Are you going to use her or are you going to throw her out?
1: Uh, I'm a horizontal guy, so okay. she she will be on my ticket as a C. If I was playing this vertically, uh, I'm keener in that second or third spot. And I only say that because while I really appreciate those horses that can be okay on the turf mm-hmm. and dirt, I mean that tells you right there. We think a Catholic boy, uh, Yoshida, these great horses that were good on turf and good on dirt. Just it shows. War of will. Um, yeah, you could go down the list. These horses that can do it both, both surfaces, they just show you how special they are, how much talent's there. So you got to respect them. However, with this one, and this is, this is the reason part of the reason I picked Blaine and giving a look at risky mandate and please flatter me. I think, I think she's going. Okay. I think she's going, um, when you look at this workout tab, it's bullet after bullet after bullet. Uh, you can go down the list. I mean, she she just runs. She's being geared. I think she's being cranked. Jose jumps off on her way here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is a combination that you don't see too much. Uh, Correus and Ortiz coming together. It doesn't happen that much. But when it does... It's, it's a small sample size, granted, but it's productive. I think this horse has every ability to, to make the number. I just don't know that it's the, the late pace is going to be there because we don't know what that race was at Churchill, that allowance. I mean, Lady Kate's a nice horse. Uh, there's a few others in there. Lady Kate won. I, I haven't seen, I haven't done my, my replay work yet on this race. So mm-hmm. I, I can't really say too much more than what's in the trip notes, but the fact that nobody's run back from that race, it makes me hesitant. You know, sure. I, I just don't know what that was. So for that sheer fact, and yes, I, I you have to project some kind of forward movement. Um, I, I, I'm just going to, second or third and and as a C, but very she's very interesting.
0: Stu will get you out of here with this. Again, the ninth race at Saratoga on Friday, the Friday feature. If you want to get involved for a chance to be where Stu is next Monday, you gotta leave your selection beneath the video player on YouTube. Not on Twitter. Not in the emails that PTF needs to forward me. I appreciate the the input, but leave it beneath if it's gonna be official, leave it beneath the video player on YouTube. Your official top selection in the shine again is?
1: Uh, it's going to be blamed for Billy Mott.
0: Blamed for Bill Mott, hopefully getting the Saratoga meet off to a fast, fast start. Al Studer, one half of the peach and Stew podcast. Uh, what is the Twitter handle on? What is the Twitter handle on Twitter? That was pretty straightforward. <laughs> what are we looking at,
1: Stu? Well, you can get on your Google machines. Yeah, exactly right. It's, a, <laughs> it's at p-i-e-s-c-h underscore s-t-u cast c-a-s-t so please check us out and uh come talk some horse racing with us
0: Stu, thank you so much for the late pinch hit and good luck in this race on friday and i'm sure we'll be talking again in the future here down the road
1: oh uh, believe me i saw mookie in that blue beautiful blue <laughs> and white baby you know we're talking soon
0: you got it bud Many thanks to Al Studer from the Peach and Stew podcast for hopping on at the last second and pinch hitting for this week's Friday feature. Again, one last time, Saratoga Race 9 on Friday. If you want to get involved in next Monday's show and be the featured guest, the featured handicap, or whatever you want to call it, go ahead, select a winner. Beneath the video player on YouTube. If you're the only one, you're in. If you're one of a few, do a little bit of a random draw and we'll reach out, contact you, and get you involved with this thing. So uh, thanks to everyone who has partaken already. I, I think it's off to a good start, and we'll see how it uh, trends going forward. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. It seems like people enjoy hearing different people's opinions, and that's all I really care about too. I want to hear what other people have to say, and I want to know what everyone that's watching and listening has to say and what their thoughts are. So um, this is off to a good start, and hopefully we continue on with this trend. Now, this is gonna take sort of the place of the typical in the money off the board segment that I've been ripping through. Uh, you'll be able to tell with some of my opinions here. There are just so many damn races from this past weekend. Um I have written down or sort of just jotted down notes on four, five, six, uh, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10 different races that I wanted to make a quick comment on one way or the other. If I've missed anything that you were curious about, let me know uh, beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. I also want to touch on perhaps one or two of the questions um, that were dropped in the sort of Q&A piece or beneath the video player. So I'll try to do all that in as short amount of time as possible. Rapid fire in no particular order. Here we go the Ruffian at Belmont Park, Monomoy Girl, the 104 buyer, the 120 time form US rating. I thought it was a comfortable effort throughout. She never really looked like a loser. I just don't know, was there anything left in the tank? And I also found it a little bit of an interesting position for them to run her back at a one turn mile as opposed to, I mean, it, it felt like, and maybe I missed something as far as quotes were concerned, and uh, I, you know, you can understand if they're thinking bigger picture why she didn't run in a race like the Fleur de Lis against a horse like Midnight Bisu. Maybe it's just Simply a matter of we want some longevity. We want to give her as great an opportunity as possible to be ready to roll in November for the Breeders' Cup. Or maybe there's something else there. I don't know. That's just me speculating. But when I watch it, she looked really good winning the Ruffian. and Montemoy Girl did. And she's never done anything wrong. She's only had one horse beater in her lifetime. It was, what, by a head or a neck? I think it was on grass, too. Something like that. The buyer of 104, I can't help but question a little bit. The time form rating of 120, I can understand. I've always talked about that 20-point differential between time form and the buyers. The 104 to me seems on the high side simply because it's not that I don't think Monomoy Girl is capable of doing that. It's that I have a very difficult time buying into the idea that Vexatious, who in her 22nd lifetime start, ran the best race of her career with a 100 buyer. The 117 time form US rating... If you And again, we're splitting hairs here, but I'm trying to just offer up what I think is, you know, something to keep in the back of your mind. The likelihood of her going—I think a, one, a 97 is more likely than a 100 from vexatious at this point in her career. She's a registered mid-90 buyers on dirt in the past, but for me to all of a sudden believe that in her 22nd lifetime start, she's a six-year-old mayor. she's only won three times, she's finished second or third nine times, I like her, I think she's talented— I just have a hard time believing that she ran a career best in this start here when she happened to run into a horse in Monomoy Girl. So do with that what you will. Maybe it is just splitting hairs and it won't make any difference. I still think Monomoy Girl is very, very talented. There's nothing to say. You can't knock her. All she does is show up and run. And not only does she show up and run, she shows up and wins. So there's something to be said about that. I would just caution the 104 buyer. I think it's probably closer to 99 or 100 just my opinion do with that what you will the jenny wiley now we got a whole laundry list of races at keeneland uh rushing fall wins 103 buyer 122 time form us rating super classy philly i mean what else is there to say i love now that she is as comfortable sitting off of a target as she is when she's out there winging it on the front end um to kind of tie in a little bit of a Q&A piece here alex Kibrick left a comment in the uh, comment section beneath the video player talking about rushing fall uh, if i can find it of course now Obviously, when you need to find it, you're not going to be able to, right? This is typically how this thing goes. Uh, it was something along the lines of, "Here we go. Do you think Rushing Fall is the best horse Chad's trained? If not, where does she rank in your opinion?" You know, I made the statement last year of saying that I thought Sister Charlie was the best that he had ever trained, and a lot of people gave me gave me some grief, and perhaps rightfully so because she didn't get the job done in the Breeders' Cup. Um, Lady Eli is obviously, I think, the first one that comes to mind for a number of people. Uh, the way that Rushing Fall moves. You know i i'll have to admit I've, i was never her biggest fan but it, you can't knock the versatility and the prolonged the prolonged success that she's had the longevity you know we talked about lady eli winning grade ones at two three four and five rushing fall has now done that i think the thing for me that that i love most now about rushing fall is that as she has gotten older now she has that that gear that where she can sit off of a target and be just as comfortable and be just as effective as when she used to be out there winging it on the front end and just running running fields off their feet. Um, so I think you probably have to put rushing fall on the short list. I think the critical aspect here will be, what does she do going forward, most notably in the Breeders' Cup? Because if my memory serves me correct, she's only run in one Breeders' Cup, and that happened to be the juvenile year when she went out there and won on the turf. To me, she's fascinating at a flat mile in the Philly and mare turf, but I could also see her knowing that the configuration of—excuse me, I said the Philly and mare turf. Uh, I was talking about the mile. I could see her at a flat mile out there doing her thing, being forwardly placed, but showing that versatility that we saw this past weekend in the Jenny Wiley. I can just as easily see her getting out to a mile and 3 16ths because the Philly and Mare turf is at a, sl- a slightly shorter configuration at Keeneland. And you can't stress that enough. I've brought it up a few different times to a few different people. And I even happened to have a quick conversation with Chad Brown when I was down at Belmont last weekend. Some horses, for whatever reason, love Keeneland and some horses don't. And I've, to me, there's no question that Russian Falls... Preferred surface happens to be Keeneland's turf. I think Chad's going to have a, a beautiful. He's in a beautiful position with a horse like this. If a horse like Uni or one of his other crack milers, you know, whether it's Raging Bull or Without Parole or whoever else it may be, and we'll get to them in a little bit. If he doesn't want to run, you know, or if, if you got to split him up somewhere, I think her her versatility, where she can sit off the pace in a race like the tur- in the the mile, or. She can probably be forwardly placed out there on the engine in the filly and mare turf or be up there with a horse like Mean Mary if she showed up there. And you have to look at it and say the fact that she just dominates at Keeneland, that's gonna be a feather in her cap. I think I think Rushing Fall, she has certainly become one of, if not, if not the outright best that Chad's ever had. I mean, it's it's hard to hard to argue against. Uh, the Madison, talking about Chad Brown. Here's a horse that I'm not necessarily as high on as what we just talked about with a horse like Rushing Fall. Guarana wins. 98 by 119 time form US rating. Did she battle back gamely on the inside or did Mia Mischief hand it over to her? Because Mia Mischief had a half length on her, it looked like. And either she lost focus or the distance got to her, which I have a hard time buying because she's won at seven eights in the past. Or Gorana dug in deep and came back. The other thing I don't love about the race is just the way the pace situation played out where, I mean, we, the minute Amy's Challenge didn't go, this, this is a this is a two-horse race. Because anybody trying to rally from the back of the pack had no chance. They were dawdling out there. Horses of that talent and that capability going that slow at that distance, I mean, th- th- it was very predictable. If you had in-race wagering here in the States, pfft. I mean, a quarter mile into the race, you're looking at it saying, if Amy's challenge isn't going to go, there's no way one of these two up front isn't going to win. Um, so, look, Goran is very talented. I, I'm not breaking any news there. But did she battle back gamely on the inside? Or did Mia Mischief, who is prone to running big races and then all of a sudden coming up with a bit of a dud? She ran well, don't get me wrong, but she clearly didn't seal the deal. I, I would have liked to have seen Mia Mischief get, get brave and finish. Corana, i'll give her credit for you know regardless of however you want to phrase it whether she won it or me and mischief lost it she's still very fast she's still a talented philly and she she fits in races like this given the slow pace and given the talent level i didn't learn a darn thing about either of them other than me and mischief can occasionally throw in a clunker i still believe in sally's curling i will you know i'm very very hopeful that we get to see her in November because I thought she ran just fine. I didn't think she had any kind of pace to run at, and I know she popped to her left lead toward the end of the race. Apparently, there's a little bit of a reasoning there. I, to me, I I still believe in her, and I think this is a race that you'll look back on and say, if you ran the race 10 times, this pace scenario plays out, what, maybe twice? Because in what other world? I mean, Amy's Challenge can't win the race sitting off off these two. She can't if you're just handicapping the race how can she her best asset is speed you got to go with her if you don't go with her then the other two they can get that breather and go the 46 and change that they did for the half mile Uh, so a little bit maddening for anyone like myself that like horses rallying from off of it and i think you will get an entirely different situation in the big race in november the bluegrass three-year-olds sort of the the bread and butter division that we have here in the united states art collector 103 buyer 121 time form us rating I'll admit, I didn't necessarily look at this horse going into a race like this and say, you know, he's got to be viewed as a, as a Kentucky Derby contender. Uh, coming out of the race, that's exactly what I'm feeling like. Uh, the speed figures are there. This is a horse whose two best races have been the two times that he has gone long under. One of them happened to be at Keeneland. One of them happened to be at Churchill Downs. Keeneland happens to be the host venue of the Breeders' Cup this year. Churchill Downs obviously is the host venue for the Kentucky Derby. Uh, I love the tactical ability that this horse has. He has won in his last handful of races, outright on the lead, rallying from well off of it going shorter, and the way that he did in the bluegrass on Saturday by sitting just off, being aggressive, going on and getting the job done. Yeah, he popped to his left lead for the final 16th in this race, in his run prior when he was by himself on the front end, popped to his left lead at the wire it doesn't bother me as much when he's still running fast and he was finishing just as fast if not faster than the entire field in the bluegrass on saturday i i don't know how you can't look at him and i i just i don't know even for someone like me that likes to nitpick things i don't know how you can't see that performance and be impressed but he he looked damn good out there and I, you know am i saying i'm going to pick him who knows we got we got months to go before the derby but boy, I mean, how many how many horses would you trade places with, or connections anyway? By the way, tip of the cap to Tom Drury. What I mean, how many how many connections would you would you trade places with if you had art art collector or you were involved with art collector? You probably would, with tis the law. I get it. But outside of that, you're probably banking on horses that are less experienced than a horse like this, who's proven at the track. The distance, probably not going to be an issue for him with the way that he's moved. And he continues to progress. And he's got versatility. I mean, there's a lot to like about a horse like Art Collector. Uh, There's also a lot to like about the runner-up, the filly, Swiss Skydiver. I thought she ran very, very gallantly. I can't help but wonder if there's a slight issue with distance. And I'm not saying that she can't go two turns. Very clearly she can. I'm saying... Mylan and eight starting to push it a little bit for her, which could be a problem because as talented as she is, and I don't think, again, you know, I, I said it a few weeks ago, early on I was not a believer. I didn't buy into it. I just thought, eh. And then she kept running these big races, big races, big races. They're all at eight and a half furlongs. And I just, I, I, I kind of get a nagging feeling that there's a scenario where she's going to take some other heat early on in a race like the Kentucky Oaks because I can't imagine they're going to go to the Derby with her after this. she ran great, but I I mean, a mile and a quarter seems like you're asking a lot. If she takes other heat early on, and sure, let's say she puts him away in the Oaks, what's she going to have left for that final 16th of a mile at Churchill? That, to me, would be something to keep in the back of your mind. I'm not questioning the talent. I think Kenny McPeak's done a wonderful job with her. I just, I would be a little bit concerned about that final 16th of a mile and what we're going to get from her but boy the talent she she loses nothing in defeat in a race like this and i know you know maybe that's a bit of a cliche but i thought she ran really really well and i think she continues to run just really strong races um no disrespect the rest of the field you can have them, as far as the derby is concerned i'm sure they can all fit and do different things in different positions i i don't think you saw anything else in that race that would make you think you've got a derby contender at this point anyway I mean, I'm looking at the clock right now. We're, we're July 13th. I mean, you're looking at, what, a little less than eight weeks? I don't think you saw anything else in there that would make you think Derby contender immediately. Uh, certainly the winner is. And Swiss Skydiver, yeah, she's, she's certainly a, a contender for the Kentucky Oaks. I'm just a little bit concerned about that final 16th of a mile, what happens there. The Ashland, three-year-old Phillies, mile and a 16th, speech. Goes out there, 101 buyer, 123 time form US rating, rolls, looks really impressive. I have no knocks whatsoever about the performance. When you go through and look, she's taken on some some pretty darn good horses over the past handful of races. I mean, it, Dona Veloce, Gamine, Swiss Skydiver, and Venetian Harbor here in this race. I mean, speech is battle-hardened and she's traveled. She doesn't have to have, you know, the home game for her best race. She's shown that she can ship and run big races. I think she's super talented. Uh, I took a shot with her in the Santa Anita Oaks trying to upset Swiss skydiver. Unfortunately, it didn't work out, but whatever. Sometimes it will. Sometimes it won't. Now, you know, I initially saw the figures and I was like, Ooh, buddy, you know, but is she going to bounce off of an effort like this? Anything like that? But when you go back, the run against Gamine was, was close numbers wise. So it's not like this thing came out of left field entirely. I mean, she ran she ran really, really well. And I love that when Javier started pumping on her around in the far turn, she responded. And she finished really, really well. This is a filly that I could very easily see winning a race like the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, she goes out for Michael McCarthy, who is still somehow... I think he's starting to get the recognition he deserves. But if it's felt like for the longest time... He's been a little bit underappreciated, which is kind of mind-boggling when you see the horses that he's trained in the races that he's won over the past handful of years. Uh, but Speech, I think she's she's super interesting going forward, especially for a race like the Kentucky Oaks. On the other side of things, a horse that I would want no part of for the Kentucky Oaks, but it has zero to do with their talent, is Venetian Harbor. Because to me, this is two races in a row, and I get it. That run at, at Oaklawn they they just went you know guns blazing and and she was off the bench maybe she got a little bit tired late uh, against Swiss Skydiver I'm getting I I don't it's not that she can't run well going two turns but I just get the vibe that she's going to be a hell of a lot better going one turn I could see her running in the Philly and Mare sprint I feel like the turn back to seven eighths of a mile is going to be really what she wants long term now would I fault the connections for taking a chance no I mean how often are you going to get a horse that is far from embarrassed in the races that she's running in at distances that mm, you know it's debatable whether or not they're actually her preferred distances but how often do you get a horse of this caliber who could potentially be involved or be one of the favorites for a race like the Kentucky Oaks I'm not going to fault the connections for taking a shot there if they choose to go there I just think down the road whenever down the road is whether it's sooner than later I think one turn seven eighths of a mile I think that's what that Philly is. I think Venetian Harbor, the talent. She's as talented as any of them. Just don't know. I don't know that the distance is necessarily her friend as we go longer. Uh, the Maker's Mark Mile. This is going back to Friday now. And we're going to keep going back. We're going to Friday and then a couple of Wednesday races. Four to go. Uh, excuse me. Five to go. We're getting there. Oh, and then there's a Saturday mixed in there. I'm an idiot. Don't worry about it. Uh, War of Will. I tweeted after the race. Good horses. Just something about the race. Leaving me a little... I don't know. A little eh. I'll take a quick drink. A little eh. 100 Buyer, one twenty-two time form U.S. rating. You'll never hear me say a bad word about War Will. I love him. I've picked him in how many races? I think Mark Cassie's done a great, go- a great job with him. Nice stalking trip here. I like that he is. He's shown that he still got it. And I think that was the thing for me. I never, I never believed that he was completely done, you know. And I remember we can go back to the shoemaker. Uh, someone, one, somebody in the comments: How many more chances are we going to give this horse? The public, you know, loves him. He's not that good. Da, da 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 And I acknowledge that. Look, he he was more sizzle than steak, but he was running good races. It's not like, or not. I shouldn't say that. He was running competitively enough in big races. To, to understand why people were giving him second, third, fourth chances. Because it, it would be one thing if the horse had never lifted a hoof. But that wasn't the case with this horse. He was good as a two-year-old. He was good early as a three-year-old. Plateaued a little bit. Always had that turf pedigree, though. They move him back over. He runs well in the shoemaker, given the lengthy layoff. And then out here, he trips out. Works out a nice little piece there and goes on with it and gets it done. I have a difficult time regardless of the fact that turf races are run the way that they're run seven horses separated by two and a half three lengths i don't know what am i missing here the numbers suggest it's a good race the race comes at the track where the breeders cup is going to be you know there are so many things pointing to it being a good race why am i not overwhelmed it's probably just a it's probably just a me thing um I, I guess maybe maybe some of the names that are involved. Parlor uh, Parlor has always been a nice, honest horse. Going to give you a, a mid ninety type buyer, maybe a high ninety if he's feeling good. At no point have I ever thought of him as a Grade One type, and he was beating a nose. Uh, you know, and that's not uh, not meant to be a knock, but I mean, it's just uh, at no point have I thought of him as a Grade One kind of horse. I've never looked at him and said, you know what, I think he could win the Maker's Mile. I, I, You know, you want to tell me uh, a, a grade three or a grade two? Sure, at an interesting price. I'd never once have thought of him as a grade one type. So maybe that's clouding my judgment a little bit on this thing. I also didn't love, and right or wrong, I think Chad Brown is a good barometer for these races. Yes, Raging Bull and without parole were only defeated, what? You know, combined three quarters of a length. Maybe a full length. When Chad's horses start doing goofy things, I, I, that to me makes me wonder, you know, either they they just didn't get over the turf as well as you would have hoped, or just maybe there was something that wasn't, fi- I don't know, I don't know, maybe just the, they, they weren't at their best that day, I don't know what it was, but I I'm trying to think of a good way of saying this. It's not that if Chad's horses don't win, I don't think the race is any good. That's not fair. But when Chad's horses, who have run so well on so many different surfaces, and it's not that these two boys didn't run well, I just expected more from them. And again, that's probably just a me problem more than anything else. But I'm just giving you my, my thoughts. I'm just spitballing here. Let me know what you think about the Makers Mark Mile specifically. All these races but specifically this one because i'm having a really difficult time and again, i love war of will and maybe i'll be picking a horse coming out of this race in the breeders cup mile you never know wouldn't stun me if i ended up picking a horse like war of will but what what am i missing here why do i not love the race figures are there the horses are talented connections are there why do i not love the race somebody help me the beaumont You want to talk about a serious filly. This is arguably the horse that I was most impressed with the entire weekend. Super impressed with Art Collector. Super impressed with Rushing Fall. Monomoy Girl looked good. Speech. You know, really stamping herself as a player for the Oaks. Four Graces. I'm probably guilty of not giving her the due that she was deserved early on. She's four for five now. I mean I, I was blown away by this performance she goes out there and she takes pressure throughout from a couple of other nice fillies they're still running and not only does she prevail but she opens up down the lane you got you got horses making these big moves around in the far turn trying to get involved one looks like they're going to threaten four graces just flicks her away and goes on with it wins by more than 5 96 buyer 122 time form US rating She's, I, I, She was the one I was most impressed with, I think, from this past week. Now, I don't know if that's going to translate against older horses. The running style could potentially be an issue. I mean, if you just want to kind of juxtapose that to the race that we saw on Saturday in the Madison. At the very least, she ensures that there's going to be a, a fair pace and that those other girls are going to have to run faster early on. But I, I'll tell you what, I think Ian Wilkes, has got a, uh, he might have a little monster on his hands. She's very, very good, I, and again, I'm probably guilty of sleeping on her. I think she's a very serious filly, and I could, see, I could easily see a horse like this showing what she's shown. She's brought her race all around. I could very easily see her being a horse that could win a race like the Philly and Mare Sprint in November. Wouldn't stun me at all if she continues on this sort of trajectory. Delaware Handicap, Chad Brown. His name's coming up again. Uh, Dunbar Road, 96 buyer, 119 time form U.S. rating. I, you know, Dunbar Road has always been a good horse. She was geared down for the final eighth of a mile, and I get it. She didn't beat anything as far as top-level company is concerned. Probably a bunch of listed stakes types, maybe grade three types. This felt like nothing more than a means to an end. For her to win as easily as she did, she could have won by 10. I don't usually say that, you know, the whole geared down thing. I like it because to me, it usually means you're saving a little something left in the tank, or you're trying to whether it ends up working out that way or not you know some horses i think it does some some others i don't i think some horses regardless of whether you're all over them you know giving them the stick or if you're just kind of hands and heels some horses i think are just going to run as fast as they can whenever i didn't get that impression with dunbar road i mean that for an eighth of a mile for you to be geared down that's that's saying something and for the numbers to come back as fast as they were I understand again that caveat. She didn't beat anything, but boy, she did. She looked good. She looked good out there, and and we'll see her her race at Keeneland last year. Late on, eh, not great. But then when you see Blue Prize comes back and wins the Distaff, you know uh, maybe I can be a little bit kind and a little bit more forgiving. So um, I don't have much else to say about her other than she looked awesome, and we'll see what happens when she takes on better horses. Uh, and then we'll wrap things up with two races from Indiana Grand. Last Wednesday, the Oaks and the Derby. We'll start with my daughter. She dares the devil. 86 buyer, 106 time form US rating. This is what I just spoke about with the Delaware Handicap and Dunbar Road. I don't think, I think there's more. And I, yes, I am 100, 1000% biased because I have, I have skin in the game. I have, I have her at 35 to one in the future to win the Oaks made that wager many many moons ago probably february the figs are still not overly impressive but she's trending the right direction this is back-to-back blowout victories she's done it in different fashions she can rally from well off of it she can win out on the lead she can also win from stalking as she did in the indiana oaks off of a fast pace mind you and i thought when she made the front if you go back and watch the tape you know, I have friends who give me a hard time talking about the ears. Her ears are straight up and it's as if she just loses focus for a bit. And probably about the eighth pole when Flo really gives her a good, I think it was a good left hand. You could see her all of a sudden, what looked like it was going to be a rather pedestrian two-length victory. I believe the final margin ended up being more than five. And she galloped out in a big way. I think she's I think it was one of those things where the race was just so easy that you just kind of lose a little bit of, you know, start looking around and whatever. I personally, and I'm not just saying it because of the the vested interest I have, I think there's more there. Numbers-wise, is she as fast as a horse like Speech or Swiss Skydiver or Gamine or any of these types? Right now on numbers alone, no. And she's really not even that close. If you're someone like me who you factor in, okay, she's not there yet but I think she's going the right direction. She goes out for connections and know how to win big races, specifically the Kentucky Oaks and Brad Cox. She has the versatility that I think is going to put her in position to win almost any race she runs in, given the different sort of running styles that she's displayed. And if you think she can take that step forward based on what you've seen visually, if you believe there's more there uh not only do I think she has a chance, she has a chance at what even day of could be a nice price because of all the other big girls that are gonna be in there. So I'm again I I've, sound like a broken record. She dares to the devil. She's my girl. I love her a lot. And then the Indiana Derby. Another Brad Cox, Florent Giroux, uh team up here. Shared sense, ninety-two buyer, one thirteen time form US rating. Nice horse. Think he's on the right track. Think he's trending the right direction. Um I just can't help think, but think looking at the, the way the race was run. They turned for home. There's seven of them across the track. Uh, he prevails. You know, he was flashing his tail a little bit, kind of resenting the whip. And I just, after Saturday's results, I couldn't help but go back and look at it and say, I mean, he was no match for Art Collector in their most recent run. And I get it. Easy lead for Art Collector on the front end. Four horse field, you know, X, Y, and Z. You know do with that what you will. I I, I can't help but think that I, it's gonna be hard to make up that difference between the two of them. So those are my opinions. Let me know what you think beneath the video player on YouTube uh, or on Twitter, at Bernie or underscore Matt. If there are any other any other races, horses, whatever it may be that you're interested in hearing about, let me know. Uh, and one other quick, quick question. This will be the only Q&A because I believe my computer's getting ready to restart on me. Um, The only one that I will touch on briefly as far as Q&A this week is concerned, and just because this has been a bit of a longer episode as well. Let's go to... Where did it go? Belinda Powers. Matt, you talked about speed. I just wanted to know what you think about Hidden scroll. I think he's so fast, but Mott and company want to try to bring him off the pace and go long. And he just wants to go and go. I do believe he could be the boss of the sprints and win the BC sprint. If they would stop trying to rate him, please just let him roll. Mr. Mott. Let me know what you think, Matt, please. Thank you. Great show today, Matt. Belinda, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. However it is, you take this thing in as far as hidden scroll. I've, I've made it clear before. I don't think he is as bad as many people are making him out to be. I also don't think he's the superstar. Some want him to be, um, I think, to be honest with you, I'm at a point now where I would like to see them go long on grass. Uh, I've brought it up in the past. You take a look at the bottom side of the pedigree. There is a nice. I can't remember. Is it Starformer or what the hell's her name? I, I, I got to look it up now. She won the Long Island, I believe, a number of years ago. Mile and a half turf race in New York. Uh, I believe he's by Hard Spun. If my brain is not entirely fried. Uh, let's see, hidden scroll. We search him. Uh, he is hard spun. And then on the bottom, Starformer. She won the Long Island. She won the New York. She won the Robert Dick Memorial. She won the very one. Long distance type. Uh, you know. So that's the damn sibling. To me, I look at it and I go, with that kind of speed, if you, unless they think that there's just no stamina whatsoever. And if that's the case, then I don't really know what you can do with him. He's not fast enough to go in turf sprints, in my opinion, with the best of the best, because turf sprinting is just a different ballgame. You could try him on dirt. I mean, look, his two runs at Gulfstream Park, two you know, only real victories to date, they're both good. Um, I just... I, I personally believe he's somewhere in the middle. I don't think he's a bum, but I don't think he's a superstar either. I would like at least one opportunity to see him and maybe a mile and a quarter type race where he's he's very clearly going to be on the lead and maybe he's just too fast for his own good but I at least like to see an opportunity to go super long with him whether they want to do that or not I mean again Bill Mott knows a hell of a lot more about horses than I do and there's probably a reason they've campaigned him the way that they have but uh, that would be my thought I don't personally believe he's good enough for a race like the Breeders' Cup Sprint but I've been wrong a lot before and I'll be wrong a lot again going forward so if they choose to go that sort of route that sort of path with him i think it's at least intriguing and the good news is i think people are starting to get sick of sort of the the role of him so if you do like him in all likelihood if he shows up in a big race if he shows up in some sort of allowance race you're probably going to get jobbed as far as the price goes but if he shows up in a bigger race or a bigger event you'll probably still get a decent number on him you're not going to get you know 15 to 1 20 to 1 but, you know, maybe you get 7-1, 6-1, depending on what the field looks like. So uh, that would be my, my assessment of him, Belinda. Um, I hope that answers the question. Anyone else? And typically, as you guys know, if you've been listening or watching, the Q&A segment can go a lot longer than that. It's just this is a little bit of a lengthy week just because of all the, the, the races that I wanted to touch on as well as uh, that great piece there with Stu. So that's going to button things up. But if you have other questions, comments, concerns, whatever it may be, beneath the video player on YouTube or on Twitter, at Bernie or underscore Matt. Uh, please make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure the bell icon's lit up so you get a notification anytime anything new is uploaded to the channel. Uh, if you listen in Apple Podcasts or you listen on your Android device, make sure you subscribe, rate and review, thumbs up, thumbs down, all that jazz. You can find this along with all the other In The Money products and sort of content over on inthemoneypodcast.com um if there are any other things that i'm missing those of you that have listened to this you already know typically how this goes you want to get involved for the friday feature and be on the show next monday beneath the video player on youtube leave the winning selection for the ninth at saratoga on friday enjoy opening day and opening weekend at the spa this week enjoy delmar enjoy the haskell invitational i'll be down at monmouth park i don't know if we're on nbc or nbcsn but i'm headed down on thursday um all sorts of great racing Uh, maximum security is back Somebody else did ask about that. He's back on Saturday. Abel is going to ride in the San Diego Handicap. We'll see what happens. There's a million things going on. And the crazy part is, still two legs of the Triple Crown to go, and the Breeders' Cup. By the way, the Travers is in like three weeks. As is the Whitney. It's chaos right now. Until next Monday. This has been episode 23 of the Matt Bernier Show. Good luck however you play, whatever you play, and wherever